Welcome to Aftermath Soiree. With Worm and JP, welcome, welcome to, to our, our new podcast. podcast. Hello everybody, my name is Worm. I'm here with my good friend JP. He's been a big help over the years with my divorce aftermath. I would like to share with you guys our stories, drink some beer, and talk shit. My name is JP, a individual who identifies as a man over 40 and who is divorced. I've known my good friend Worm for over a decade, and we became closer after our divorce aftermath. Uh, This podcast is to understand our perspective after divorce. We'll be explaining our situations in future episodes, but mostly we'll be talking shit and drinking. So let's talk about how Aftermath Soiree came about. Well, JP, the way I look at Aftermath is after the divorce, once the dust settles, all the pain the confusions that you have to go through, the finance, um, you're basically don't know what to do. And I agree. Uh, at, at the end of the day, you still have to look at the brighter thing, the brighter side, and that's the soiree part, the party, the gathering, the private conversations that we have with one another, and that's how we came about. Very true. And that just reminds me when we first uh, started talking about this, um, it was just we got to a party drinking, talking shit, and realize that we needed someone to just unload and let our feelings and our problems um, so someone else can hear. That's true. It's not always easy for us to talk about the situation we went through because we both went through different situations, but I think leaning on each other was helpful for one another uh, to see the brighter outcome of the whole situation. And and because we both had different... um, perspective on this divorce we were able to understand certain things that was happening to um, our spouse that's true i mean you you went through a significant divorce where it was a little bit easier but unfortunately it wasn't uh, emotionally easier Uh, for me it was not as emotionally hard initially it was more financially hard and then it became more emotionally difficult for me. And very true. And I remember how you uh, would understand how why she was that angry. And I remember telling you my perspective on how she was seeing stuff and it was hurtful. And she was being vengeful. She had all this anger trying to come out. And the best way to hurt you was through your pockets. And that's true. And that's when I became better firm to you and try to explain to you the perspective that your ex-wife had in regards to how she saw things and how she viewed things and how love uh, manifested for her and uh, you sort of became more open to it which was I think helpful for you and for me. Yes it it, it was very helpful Um, just for the simple fact that um, when you're going through a lot of pain you want to know all this why and, and it has to be like this profound why of why she left or whatever. And you realize that sometimes um, it's just as simple as not giving a plant water. And it just dies. It's something so simple yet so profound. Very true because in my situation, although it, it was also to a certain extent uh, giving plant water, um, it was communication, the lack of communication, and that goes with the whole plant wa- 
the end of the day, we both have different perspectives of the divorce. Um, but I think the coping mechanism for both of us was the fact that we were able to talk with one another. We would drink and talk shit, not just about our divorce and our exes and what happened the aftermath. The aftermath was the partying, you know, having to the meet, soiree, you mean? Exactly, yeah. you know, <laughs> having to figure out what we're going to do after because uh, I don't know for you, but for me it was uh, almost uh, two decades of living with and being with this one individual and now that all stopped. Now I had to be by myself and figure it out. True, true. I I went through a similar thing in a different perspective because um, the emotion was out of it. You know, it was a, a you're together just kind of for the kids and the motion of things, never realizing that that was the end, and and it was not finalized, and it was just the process of these emotions. Uh, back and forth and so you started to realize that it you needed someone to to talk exactly and i think for you it was more that you wanted to stay in the marriage you wanted that that spouse you wanted that person to come home to and be with and and do everything with and be part of your life where i on the other hand wasn't as inclined to do that anymore because of the emotional roller coaster that i went through so at the end, I had given up all hope of wanting to be married, needing to be married, and needing to be with the person. Um, and that's why I chose to initialize the separation. But in initializing that separation, I think it just it got ugly because, you know, like you say, your, your emotions get involved and you want to be in that relationship. But when one person gives up it's sort of hard to continue that relationship and when you love somebody and they leave you i mean and, and you don't understand why it does hurt i so, think you want to find the rationale and why you want to find comfort in something and you don't know what and i think that's the closest thing that you can find comfort is the, the why part because the leaving is is there it's it's gonna happen it's just we're hopeful that it doesn't you know, I tried. I wanted to make it work. Um, I was willing to do what it needed to take to keep the marriage together. And it just feels like she was made up her mind. It was done. That's true. And when you make up your mind, I think you come to a certain point where you're just done. You, you don't want to continue with the marriage anymore. For me, it was more of I had given up in the whole marriage thing. So it made me want to, no, it didn't make me, it It made me do other things, which I'm not proud of, and, and I ended up Ooh. cheating on her, Oh, okay. which was difficult because. Yeah, man up, bitch. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's the truth. It's true. <laughs> I, I'll man up. There's not many people that would, would actually admit to cheating, but I did, and I'm not going to be a little bitch about it. I, I admitted to cheating, but at the end of the day. Uh, there's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for cheating. You have to be a man about it and explain to your spouse what the situation is, why you guys are not getting along, instead of going behind their back and doing something idiotic like cheating. Very, very true. And it's also not black and white, you know, because my situation, um, as as we were trying to figure this out, not knowing where it was going to end up, 
um, we start stop having sex, right, for a while. So she knows that I needed that affection, and, and, and she was really cold. But at one point, she just said, and, and this part really hurt, was like, go fuck other girls as long as I don't know. It's funny so, you say that because in my situation, the the affection wasn't there also, but she said something similar. She said something to the effect of, do what you need to do so you could come home happy. And it wasn't about doing something outside the marriage to be happy. It was about the lack of communication that we had between one another to make that marriage work. Because a marriage is about two people talking about situations or troubles that we have to come up with solution. And if you don't come up with the right solution between both of you, it's either going to be their solution or your solution. And it doesn't work. It has to be a combination of both. Yes, that's, that's very true. It's a, it, the cliche, it's a compromise, right? But I, I think that's what life is. It's, it's um, you, you have goals and plans. You process how far you gotten to those, and then you have to evolve, right? But it starts with communication. And I think, me too, that lack of communication, um, it kind of stopped. And so the best thing I can tell to people is, is you have to get over your fears and anger and just talk to your spouse. And I think know? that's the important portion of it, that you have to talk to your spouse because out of all this, once, let's let's take it in, let's put it in perspective. Once you get married, you have children, and once those children grow up and they leave, who is left? The spouse. So if you don't have a good relationship with your spouse, once the children leave, there is no excuse for you to stay there or for you to be there. It, it's because you want to be there with your spouse. And if you're not there because your spouse loves you and you love your spouse, then what's the purpose? So the lack of communication is a big portion of a relationship and, and let me uh, add my opinion about communication because I think what happens is I was more I don't think I was communicating now that I, I look back I think I was more yelling and, and, and maybe talking down a little bit where at the moment it looked like it, it was communication but the approach I think wasn't good and I, and I think that's something that, looking back, um, I realize I, I, I could have done better, right? Well, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to compromising. Who's going to compromise what? If as, a, if, as a spouse, are you going to compromise one thing or the other to make the relationship work? Or are you going to let pride jump in and overtake what the compromise is going to help out with the relationship? Well, that's true, but I guess... What I was trying to point out is the initial thing is, hey, you screwed up on this. You're a dumbass versus, hey, how about we work on this? Or how about if you do this different? See, that approach, I guess, has a lot to do with how that person reacts. And so the stronger way where just do this because you screwed up, they're going to get defensive. And the odds of it getting better is not or finding that compromise um, we'll never get there. Well, again, it, it comes down to pride. The pride, if, if the man has the pride because he's a machista or because, you know, I, I grew up in an era where 
my dad was a machista. He grew up in Mexico. He came over to the U.S. And that machista came with him. So I understand that as as a man, you are the breadwinner. As a woman, you're supposed to stay home. That's not the case now. The case is different. We've evolved into where we have a two two income household where the wife and the husband are both working to get a better life for who? The children. And when you have that type of compromise, who comes home to make the dinner? Who comes home to clean the house? Because the machista comes out and says, well, you're the woman, so you have to do X, Y, and Z, meaning clean the house, cook the cook the dinner, take care mm-hmm. of the children while mm-hmm. I just hang out and do nothing because I've already made the, you know, the winnings for the house. But that's not the case because if the woman is working too, it's not fair enough for the woman to say, hey, you know what? Uh, you do everything while I kick back and watch television. It, and it's true. Yeah, we, we should add more to just making the money. Um, where and how is, is kind of the, the blurry area where I think certain people think everything's 50-50. Um, I believe it, it's kind of where your strengths are. And sometimes it's not even where your strengths are at, but where there's a lack of something, right? If you're both working and you get there early, try to have you know the food ready. doesn't mean you have to make everything, but you figure out to order something or just kind of be proactive in those areas. Exactly, and that's how that whole relationship works. When you both contribute to the relationship, like you mentioned, Maybe the man comes out early of work and he gets home and takes care of the kids or starts dinner. And that helps out the wife where she could come home and assist with the dinner. But if you're that type of person that lives in in, in the 50s and the 40s and, and believes that you're the breadwinner, well, then you should have your wife stay at home and not bring in the bread too. But if you're a two-income household, at least be equally equally parted in the sense of both contribute to the household, both contribute to um, the the future of the relationship because that's going to help you. And if you start having that ego and that pride, it just gets in the way. Very true. And so, as we said, it's, you know, communication is a key. And one thing is, it's kind of, Take, take a step back, and, and, and it, I think it's the delivery also. It's not what? Yeah, the, the some, delivery does have a lot to do with it, but not it, all of it. No, no, but it's also then. Let's get it right. Some women want us to be mind readers, and we're not we're not mind readers. Well, who is, man? That's I'm pretty. I'm <laughs> Hey, and it's ordering food. I understand. Ordering food is a, it's, it's one of the worst things. And the best way, though, with something is give them two options instead of what do you want to eat, you know, has has um, eliminated some of those headaches. Yeah, but yeah. when you give them options and they're not in the mood for those options, it sort of makes it more difficult. I'm, it's just my perspective. No, I, Sometimes I, it works, sometimes it doesn't, but... Oh, <laughs> It, it, it it's frustrating. Something so simple, and it's like you can't read minds. You you don't know what's going through their heads, and and it's like a guy is usually simple. It's like I'm getting something on the way home. Exactly. Yeah. What, what what's this, the fastest way I can get some food? Exactly. Get home so I can relax, enjoy the rest of my day, 
And they're like, you already had X and Y and Z. Why are you having it again? Because it's fucking, <laughs> in the, it, it, it's efficient. You know what I mean? It just makes it easier. You're, I, don't, I don't have to make you do anything else. Yeah. You could eat with the kids or eat by yourself. And then by the time I get home, because I'm going to get home late, I've already eaten. So yeah. it just makes it easier for you so you don't have to cook. But some people don't take it that that way. It's some some individuals, whether it's a male or a female, however they identify, it, it's hard for them to understand that fact because you know they're married and they want to have everything together. But it doesn't always work that way. Very very true. And the killer for me is, they said at the end, "Oh honey, I don't want anything." So you buy your food and you go home. Guess what happens? Now Ooh, they yeah. want food. Now they take your fries. They take half of your hamburger and it's like i thought you weren't hungry exactly all of a sudden you're hungry when you weren't hungry when i told you i was going to mcdonald's or burger king or tams exactly the fuck and and that's where i think didn't i just communicate yeah communicate and it goes back to the communication i communicated what i was going to do what i was going to get and you said no, and all of a sudden, I get home, and you take my shit. <laughs> and, and that's, that's a, a good point about communicating. Even if we think we're doing it, we might not be doing it right at that moment with that person. Well, I think that goes back to the whole mind-reading thing. With that in, <laughs> I, I believe that it also takes a maturity of the female. Fuck that. That's not maturity. <laughs> no, no, That's no, no, mind no. reading shit right there where you have to figure out whether it's they want something or not after you told them you're going to get something. <laughs> oh, shit. We're going to get the chunkling a little bit. <laughs> well, what I was trying to say is the maturity of the women knowing what they want. is. It's not only... <laughs> so what you're saying is women are immature. In, in a lot of decision making, <laughs> they're more emotional. They are. It, and they that's, are. We're more logical. I, I mean, it's just that that's kind of how we're wired, you know? We are. We are. And, and yeah. I agree with you there. We are more logical when it comes down to things. And we're simple. We're simple creatures where you ask us something, we'll answer it. If we don't want it, we'll say no. But a lot of times it becomes a big discussion because at the end of the day, it was like, well, you didn't answer it. They wait. I wanted you to answer it. I'm like, yeah, what the fuck? And some things you never answer, right? Well, I think if you stay quiet, it, it goes as an unwritten rule that they're just going to get upset anyways. So I think we've all known this, right? When your girl tells you, how do I look in this dress? You don't answer that shit. And if you do, what do you do? Well, we lie, right? Exactly. We, we I mean, we got to lie. I mean, <laughs> that's a trap we... Yeah, there's, there's no win-win. Catch 22. You're <laughs> fucked if you do. You're fucked if you don't. And so you always say you look good, babe. That's true. So communication is just not speaking words. Clearly, it's Obviously, more complicated than what it is. But we do need to put an effort into it. To I mean, make it. You, you want to put an effort into it. But once you do, if you say the wrong thing or you show the wrong thing it becomes an issue and that's where it's like ah damn what did i say what did i do and again we're not as emotional as women where they'll one little criticism will be taken out of proportion 
when it was just something as simple as, oh, you look good. But because you didn't say you look fabulous, all of a sudden, we get the shit into the stick. I totally agree. So my opinion about all this, or what I've learned from all this, is that you have to learn when you're losing the battle. And a good portion of it, we will never win a battle with the woman. Exactly. And then the second thing you need to do is learn how to buy something, do something that they they like so you can be in their grace. I think the at the end of the day, you just have to know your woman, know your spouse, Very and what they mm-hmm. like so that you guys could compromise yes. with one another and figure out what is the best deal for both of you? Very true. And, and and the idea is, you know, that old cliche, a happy wife is a happy house or something like happy, that, right? Happy wife, happy life. Yes. Which is bullshit because what about a man? You're you're again, they're giving all the all the direction towards the woman and what about the man? If you well, have no 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 happy man, what happens? Well, 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 here's the funny thing. A- after our aftermath, it's what you learn is that is the key. You need to pick a woman that fits more your needs, not just, you know, looks or whatever you think. Is You have to understand, since the beginning, you know, when you order food or the little things that nag you, you got to pick one that's a little bit more mature. I think, you know, for me, it, it became down to as I became older, I became more aware of my foundations and what I wanted and what I wanted for my spouse and what I wanted for my future wife. And um, I, as a young man, I didn't get to see that. I didn't understand that, and I didn't pay attention to that because I wasn't aware that those things really mattered. But as I got older, you know what? That makes a huge difference because if you have a foundation of who you are, what you want, and what you value... Once you find a woman that values those same things and wants those same things as you, mm-hmm. it, it makes a big yeah. difference in your lifestyle because you become more compatible. You become more aware of who they are, who you are, and what you both want. Yeah, very, very true with all that. And, and that's kind of the, the thing you learn after. Um, for some reason, it's all after. The aftermath, you know, it's it's <laughs> after the dust settles, you a, find a, out all this shit happens. A, after you get raped with money, after <laughs> you, you you know all, all this pain and suffering you go through, um, it, it's pretty sad that after is when you learn that you know we all we all like a nice you know young girl, hot little ass, but that that's not that doesn't last fly. though. I you mean, know, it's, it's, that it's, hot little ass, them tight little titties. They all sag, that ass just starts fading, and all of a sudden, you have the same person that you had before, and you've got to compromise in who she is and what you want. So if you start off with the the pillars of value and what you want initially, looks aren't going to matter because once you both are old and wrinkly and your balls are sagging, and she doesn't care that your balls are sagging, and you don't care that her titties are sagging down to her knees, and you guys are both going to care for each other. It, and true. And, and we don't even have to look that far. But it's like, when you're younger, you can deal with all this bullshit and drama. I don't know about you, compadre. But now, I just, 
I, I don't want to deal with that. You know, you come home and they're like, we don't go out to eat. We don't do this. Like, it, it's a constant uh, nagging of all the things you don't do right. Exactly. So if you find somebody that you both co- are compatible with each other, meaning that you both have the same values. For me, my biggest value is God. You know, I, I, I know I drink and shit, but I, I, I have a strong faith in God. You drink? Uh, I, yeah, I drink a little bit, you know. <laughs> just yeah, a few beers here and there and shit. But although I drink, that doesn't mean I don't stop believing and having a faith. And my strong faith of God helps me find the strong faith woman that I need. And, and it, yeah, and when they have a, a – when you're not their whole life, when they have a career or a passion, you meet this girl and you just add to it, it, it tends to, to take away all the pressure of, of all the little things that they nag about, right, a, a normal girl. So yeah, finding one that, that, that is self-fulfilling is good. I think finding one that's down, down with you because when shit hits the fan, who's going to be there with you? I mean, your kids are going to be there with you. Your family's going to be there with you. But at the end of the day, if you have a woman that's down with you to fuck shit up, if you tell her, hey, you know what? We've got to go do this shit real quick. And she says, fuck it. Let's go do it. That is, you well, know what? That's, that's a keeper. That's, that's friendship right there. When they bring you beers, it's also, you know, a beautiful thing. I mean, when they buy you beers, it's even better. But Very bringing true. a beer, it's not as bad. No, no. And, and so there's similarities where the friendship and family is like the best thing is when they're there through the thick and thin. Exactly. Like family, friends, and, and a girl. And that's what it is. I mean, marriage is, is, a, is one of the worst contracts you can get into. Funny you say that because it's a fucking contract that you get into when you decide to get married. Your, con, yeah. your, your contract states, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Because what is aren't those the vows? Yeah. Through thick and thin. Yeah. It's a fucking contract. Yeah. So if you're you're agreeing to a contract and marriage, I, I mean, I should you should take yeah. it as a lease and just go back and well, well, then, return it if you don't want to you don't want to purchase that shit. Very true. But the the worst part of that contract is whoever quits it can possibly get half of your shit. That's fucked up. So so you quit something. You devote it and you say you're going to go through this through thick and thin, through freaking death, sickness, poorness, and everything. The minute shit gets rough, they get tap out. Yeah, that's fucking. It's like you buying or leasing a car. You fucking put sounds in it. You put some fucking rims in it. You put an exhaust. And all of a sudden, the dealer says, All right, you don't want to purchase it? Well, fuck it. We're going to take everything. And you, they keep all the shit that you invested into it, which yeah. is unfair. Yeah. It, and so. And, and sadly, in this situation, the girl can take half or more. That's true. That's fucked up. And the guy yeah, gets This is screwed. not for men. And, and typically, what a girl keeps a kid, if you have any kids, and you're even more screwed. Yeah, which is fucked up in the sense of, you know, we come down to when is a father a father? But we'll leave that for another episode because obviously we've been talking enough about everything, all the bullshit and yes. what... How Worm and I got together and what happened to us, but you know yes. it was it was a good start for the first episode. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. 
hopefully you guys listen to the next episode if you guys want another episode but for the most part hopefully it's helpful because at the end of the day nobody knows what to expect from divorce i mean obviously you go to a divorce lawyer they'll tell you for a amount of money what you, you should expect but from friends and from other relatives and from people that have gone through it you know it's not all the same it's not black and white it's not all divorces are the same. It's not, but most of them suck for the men. Most men get raped at the end, money-wise, time. It, it, it's painful. Um, most people I've talked to, men, have gone through a horrible time regarding just the financial burden that, that goes through it. Um, just the whole process. They try to hurt you in that process, too. Oh, yeah. Again, like you yeah. said, the emotions come out. And it's not so much about just trying to be a better mother and being a better provider. It's about how they can hurt you and what they can use to hurt you. Sometimes for men, like we said, we're logical. We're we're just, we're simple thinkers. A lot of the times the way they hurt us is financially. Yeah, very true. So thank you guys for joining us. This is Worm and JP with Aftermath. It's all right. Good night. Good night.